Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. In today's episode, we'll be introducing listeners to the upcoming Northern Territory election. My guest today is Robin Smith. Robin is a historian focusing on the Northern Territory. She is presently working on the NT component of the Frontier Massacres Mapping Project at the University of Newcastle and is the author of many articles on NT politics, including the Political Chronicles in the Australian Journal of Politics and History and the NT chapter in the University of Sydney's new Australian Politics and Policy textbook. Hello, Robin. Good morning, Ben. The Northern Territory will be holding its 14th election for the Legislative Assembly two weeks from now on August 22. The incumbent Labor government, led by Chief Minister Michael Gunner, he'll be seeking a second term, will be seeking a second term after winning power in a landslide in 2016. So the Northern Territory Legislative Assembly was dominated by the country Liberal Party for its first three decades. The CLP, they won eight straight elections from 1974 to 1997 and held power in the Assembly for 27 years. But since Labor's first election victory in 2001, they have won four out of the last five elections. Robin, do you think there was a structural change in the Territory which has led to this period of Labor dominance? No, I don't think you could call it structural change. I think... Um, any government that's endured for 27 years will inevitably become tired, and that's what happened before Claire Martin's win in 2001. Although it was a surprise, even Labor didn't think they'd win, but it was just the mood of the electorate, I think. That persisted um, until 2012 when there was a swing back to the CLP Anyone who was unfortunate enough to watch territory politics between 2012 and 2016 will know that that was just an absolute debacle of a government, which was then wiped out in 2016 with the CLP retaining only two seats in the 25-seat assembly. It was a brutal landslide of the last election. The CLP was left with two seats and Labor had quite a large majority. And can you summarise, like, what have we seen happen in NT politics since the last election when Labor won that large majority? Well, Labor came in on the promise of stability, transparency, um, all those sorts of things. Look, Blind Freddie could have won the last election from the CLP. And Labor, on the whole, has held it together quite well. They haven't swapped leaders. There haven't been too many starters, although three members of Labor were ejected from the caucus. So this, the ALP's majority at present is a bare one, 16 seats, and they need to hold those. Now, what will happen in two weeks' time is anyone's guess because the CLP has not regrouped well. Territory Alliance has um, emerged as an alternative conservative party, but they don't appear to be terribly unified either. So let's let's talk briefly about the Territory Alliance. So... Uh, at the last election, there were a number of independents elected, frankly, more independents than there were CLP members, and that includes Terry Mills, who had been the chief minister at the start of the last CLP government before um, being replaced by Adam Giles. Um, so he has led this newly formed party that really only got formed at the end of last year, and he's recruited one of those ex-Labor MPs and another uh, conservative independent from Alice to form the Territory Alliance, and they are running a lot of candidates in the election. Um, and so you describe them as conservative, which it definitely is a part of them that's conservative, but they've also, feels like they've positioned themselves a bit to be outside, like they're trying to grab voters from all over is what I see. Like they're, they're 
They've come out against fracking. One of their members is a former Labor Party member. They seem to be trying to triangulate a little bit and grab voters from all over. Triangulate is a very diplomatic way of putting it. I think, yeah, they're trying to be all things to all people. Now, that's impossible. Can you imagine that working as a caucus or a parliamentary wing when it comes to policy votes and, you know, bills and just running the territory? So there's a lot of the great unknown, I think. Although they have an extremely good operator coordinating the campaign in James Lantry and they have the former leader of the ALP in Delia Laurie, uh, also working on the campaign and writing their policy. They've got two very, very smart heads in there. That will be a big dynamic that's going to affect the performance of the CLP, right? Because they would be hoping for a recovery from 2016, uh, if not to form government, to at least sort of have a, a respectable result and a bit of a larger caucus but um, they're effectively fighting on two fronts, right, because they're going to be trying to reclaim these seats while the Territory Alliance is sort of nipping at their heels. Uh, And there was a by-election earlier this year in Johnston, which was a Labor seat. The member had been kicked out of the Labor Party and and came back. Uh, And and the Territory Alliance came quite close to winning that seat. Uh, So that was a a strong result for them. They did, and... The guy who ran for Territory Alliance is Steve Close. He's a former CLP member and he ran for the CLP last time. So this is his third tilt at Johnson and he went very close last time. Johnson is not a given at all for the ALP. Um, the, The present incumbent, who only won it in late February, he's holding that by about 2.6%. That's not a big swing. You know, in, in electorates our size, that's a couple of families changing their vote. The electorates are much smaller than anything else we see in state or federal politics in the rest of the country. ACT is a sort of similar scale, but they, they run elections very differently with multi-member electorates. But these small electorates that have less than 6,000 voters enrolled in each electorate in most cases, how does that affect how elections work, both in terms of like incumbents, but also making them more erratic, like looking historically over over NT election history. For urban electorates, people expect to know their local member personally and they expect to see them. So any member who takes their electorate for granted and doesn't door knock on a regular basis will be on a hiding to nothing. It works a little bit differently in the bush because those electorates are massive. Take uh, the seat of... Nolan Boy, which has just been renamed Mulka. The present member is an independent, Yingi Agiula. He's a Yonu man, and he went into the assembly with a, a Yonu-specific agenda, and he served that electorate extremely well. Now, he won that seat from the deputy Labor leader, Lynn Walker, by, I think it was eight postal votes last time. However, Rio Tinto has shut the mine at um, Gove, Nolan Boy, so I think the um, non-Aboriginal population there has fallen, which I think increases Yingia Giola's chances of hanging on to that seat. But as you rightly predict on the Tally Room website, that is going to be a very close one. For those people who are really interested in the election results and looking at them, one of the things you will notice is, particularly for the rural remote electorates, uh, sometimes there's only one ordinary election day polling booth in the seat. Indeed, at the last election in the seat of Stuart, there wasn't any polling booths in the electorate. 
and usually a big chunk of the vote is cast through remote polling places. So basically the Electoral Commission drives in or flies in and there's a day where people can come together and they all vote. That's right. Static polling is it can be unusual it's in the bush electorates and that mobile polling actually starts on Monday. So nominations closed on Thursday. They did the uh, ballot draw for the position on papers a Thursday afternoon. There was a mad scramble by the parties to sort out their preferences and they had to print their how-to-vote cards because from Monday um, the mobile polling commences in a variety of remote regions across the Territory. So how does that change the the logistics of running an election when you have these massive rural remote electorates with a lot of small towns rather than, you know, a, an urban electorate that many of our listeners might be more familiar with? Oh, that's right. Look, um, Ian Loganathan, the Electoral Commissioner, he's a legend, frankly, in, in addition to just the ordinary logistics of running a, a, an NT election and doing all this mobile polling in bush seats two weeks out from the election. He's also running a COVID campaign. So in all of this, he's had to take into account um, biosecurity zones, restrictions, uh, social distancing. Uh, it's it's just been a nightmare. And thank goodness our elections are now held in August, fixed terms, because if we had one in the wet season, you have the added logistical challenge of things like flooded rivers and creeks and waterholes, and it, uh, it's just a nightmare. Do you want to run through a bit about what sort of areas are tend to be the heartlands for the country Liberal Party and for Labor in the NT? It's a little different up here in the sense that there's no traditional Labor base here in the sense that there's no uh, real industry. So the, the traditional Labor sort of working class base doesn't really exist. Labor heartland is traditionally in the top end and to an extent the bush seats. CLP's natural heartland is uh, the rural centres that are outside Darwin. Alice Springs is in fact uh, country Liberal Party heartland. And the country Liberal Party itself is a merger of what was the country party based in Alice Springs and elsewhere outside Darwin and the Liberal Party. And I guess the CLP also are strong in places like Catherine. Uh, they have tended to be strong in Palmerston, which is effectively like an outer suburb of Darwin or a town near Darwin. So, yeah, that, those tend to be their heartlands. The other thing you would say is that the um, the Labor Party would tend to do better amongst the public servants, who you'd see uh, the Northern Territory has a relatively high proportion of people who work in public service roles. Yes, that's true. And the bulk of those people live in Labor's northern suburbs. And the northern suburbs of Darwin will usually determine the outcome of an election. So that's the northern suburbs. But then we also have the question of these remote electorates, which one of the big surprises in 2012 when the CLP won is they they didn't win by winning those northern suburbs that we expected them to win, right? They won a bunch of these outback electorates from Labor that were expected to be solid Labor. I don't think we're really expecting the CLP to win back any of those seats this time, but there are a number of independents running. And do you see a trend of more particularly Aboriginal independents who are running against Labor? Not particularly in that sense. The Bush 
seat's win for the CLP in 2012 is down to a guy named James Lantry, who I mentioned before, who's now running the Territory Alliance campaign. He went and campaigned in the bush. There's no reason that the CLP can't win bush seats. It's just that traditionally they hadn't tried and Labor did put a lot of effort into those seats. So that proved that if you want a seat, you have to win it. And, you know, Aboriginal people are like any other voter. They want to hear what what candidates can offer them. And if candidates don't go and talk to them, well, you know, you, you don't have a, a chance. So the CLP only have two sitting MPs, one of whom is retiring at this election. Uh, we have seen previous large swings where you do have parties go from having a really small base of seats to either being competitive for government or forming government. What are the historical parallels that um, for those kind of erratic election results that, that we have seen? Well, yeah, incumbency is a big factor. And in fact, the retiring CLP member, Gary Higgins, uh, had a, a large personal following in the electorate of Daly. That seat is, it falls into the marginal category because the two-candidate preferred margin is 4.6, with him retiring. So that is not a given as a CLP hold. So again, that's not quite the same as door knocking because Daly's quite a large electorate, but getting around that electorate and visiting the communities and seeing people, that, that will swing the vote. So are there any particular seats that you'll be watching on election night? Yes. Well, there are a few actually, but Blaine and Karama are interesting on the figures because they both look marginal. But in fact, in 2016, there was a split vote in Blaine. Damien Hale ran for the ALP. So the current figure is on a two-candidate preferred basis. Terry Mills, the leader of Territory Alliance, holds that by 2.8%. But I think that's a misleading figure. The other seat is Karama, which is held by Naria Kitt, and that looks a little bit – well, it's, it's a marginal, uh, marginal seat on the basis that the two-candidate preferred figure is 1.3%. But the former Labor leader, Delia Laurie, ran in that last time, and that's why the Labor vote was split. So I think those two um, will return a more predictable result of both Mills and Arkit holding their seats. Breitling and Catherine are two that I, the only two that I expected the CLP to hold on the last occasion, and they both went to Labor because the number of independents running circled the wagons and directed their preferences to Labor. So they could easily swing back to the CLP. They're notionally CLP seats anyway. Are there any particular seats you think uh, you would tip that the Territory Alliance will be looking to win? I think they'd be very hopeful in Johnson. Which is the seat where the by-election was held earlier this year, right? That's correct. Um, I think Terry Mills will hold his seat of Blaine. Uh, Robin Lamley, who's a former, she was Mills's deputy chief minister when he, when they were both in the CLP. She's now Territory Alliance in the Alice Springs urban electorate of Araluen. She'll hold. Fong Lim, yes, no, actually, I think Fong Lim will be a Labor hold. And when I say a Labor hold, that seat is held by Jeff Collins, who was one of the three tossed out of the Labor caucus. 
He is now with Territory Alliance, but that is notionally an ALP seat. Yeah, he hasn't demonstrated any independent electoral support. Yeah, I think he needs to be careful. Although the two-candidate preferred margin is 15.6%, but that was an ALP two-candidate preferred margin. That's not necessarily for him himself when he's up against the Labor Party. So that's about it for this episode of the Tally Room Podcast. Thank you, Robin, for joining me. My pleasure. And Robin, we we were discussing before we hit record about a politics podcast in the NT that you were saying could be good for election tragics wanting to um, pay attention over the next few weeks. And what was the name of the podcast? The podcast is Weekends with Walshie, and it can be found on a site called A Territory Story. Great. And we will include a link to that uh, in our show notes. So you can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow The Tally Room on Twitter at The Tally Room or like us on Facebook. Information about this podcast is available at www.tallyroom.com.au and you can email questions or feedback to thetallyroom at gmail.com. Thanks to Crystal Bro for writing the music you hear in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening.